Hey Welcome guys. back to uh, Who Watches the Watchers. My name is Ian. And this is Kenny. Um, and this week we're talking about, uh, I guess it's technically two books. Yeah, it would be two books is it's, what I can't uh, even realize reading through it. It's Black Panther, uh, Man Without Fear, and then it transitions into Black Panther. Um, the Most Dangerous Man Alive. Most Dangerous Man Alive. It's written by... David Liss. Mm-hmm. The whole run is David Liss, and then yeah. the artists just flip flop a little bit. Yeah, and it's it it's primarily drawn by Francisco Francavilla, mm-hmm. um, and then also Hefte Palo, Sean Martinborough, and Michael Avon Oming, which a lot of people might recognize his name from uh, Powers with Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, yeah, he okay. co-created Powers with uh, BMB. I feel like a lot of this book is inspired by what Brian did to the uh, Marvel Universe as a whole. Yeah. I feel like that this, because like that is Luke Cage. Luke Cage appears in this book and it is straight from the pages of BMB's yeah, books. You absolutely. Know what I mean? um, but yeah, I mean, let's get into this. This takes place after Shadowland mm-hmm. and then it also ties in with two other events. Did you notice that? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, Fear Itself and... Uh, yeah, Fear Itself and Spider Island. And Spider Island has yeah. its own kind of little moment. <laughs> and I thought that that was so crazy, was yeah. that it it literally spawns out of an event and has to tie into two more, like, during its run. This yeah. is about 18 issues. Do you have the issues? Do we have the physical book? You didn't bring no, it up? No, I didn't bring it up. Oh, okay. That's fine. Uh, let me look it up. It's okay. uh, yeah, it's eighteen issues. It was you're trying to think of the numbers. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and number them. It's five thirteen to five twenty three point one, and that's where it turns into the most dangerous man alive, and it goes on until five twenty nine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, this book it covers several arcs. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense because it literally covers the entire time. You know, T'Challa mm-hmm. spends in. In uh, yeah. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. So it kind of makes sense to read this full 18 issues. You know? Yeah. Did you look up David Liss at all? Yeah. Yeah. Because right. apparently he lives here in San Antonio. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I did not see that, but that's cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. According so, to, I think, not only his Wikipedia page, but his Twitter, I think it says his location is San Antonio, Texas. He's not from here, mm-mm. but that's where he currently lives for whatever reason. Well, there you go. Um. But he also hasn't written too many comic books. He's typically a novelist. That is what I kind of learned about him. Yeah. yeah, it was exactly that this is one of a kind of a handful of comics he's ever <laughs> even written. Yeah, and it was, um, I'm sorry, I'm a little sick right now, so I'm going to be peeling yeah. away from the mic a lot just yeah, no to, worries. to let out the coughs. Um, but um, yeah, no, he, he wrote this for Marvel, and then he also wrote another book for Marvel that was kind of like inspired by... I guess, like, the spirit and, like, characters like that. Um, let me look up what that one was called, because I, I had never heard of it. And then I think it's literally called The Mystery Men, like the movie with Ben Stiller, Mystery Men. Dude, what a good movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. Um, You're missing out. But I think it's called The Mystery Men. Let me look it up. And it features a bunch of characters that he created for this Series. Yeah, Mystery Men, The Golden Age. Yeah, and it was just it was just him. Well, I mean, obviously with an artist. Um, it was penciled by Patrick Zyker. Um, and it's he wrote it, he created all these new characters, and I think it this looks is, pretty cool. I think these are the only times these characters ever are. Yeah. Which I thought was 
so kind of uh oh they're never before seen heroes of the 1930s so yeah. it's supposed to be like pre captain america even so yeah i mean that's sense. very true yeah it's just crazy that like suddenly um they get david liss to not only take over a very batman inspired book i would say um but also create his own characters that took place in the 1930s in the marvel universe yeah i'm I mean this this book's really gritty. I mean, especially the art style. You no, know yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, and it's kind of crazy that even once the artists changed, I feel like it still had like a consistency. I feel like they needed to keep of like this gritty Batman esque. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Of. It takes. It seems like every issue takes place primarily and only at night. You only see the sun light up a few scenes in, and they're mostly at the tail end of the series. And it's mostly whenever they're in Wakanda, mm-hmm. and it's just like people black panther's not even in wakanda it's just we're seeing people reacting to things happening in new york in wakanda (laughs) you know what i mean exactly and so it's just crazy that like yeah this book is i feel like he david list came to them was like hey i want to write you know black panther in hell's kitchen taking place after daredevil and it will be batman you know what i mean because he doesn't use any of his powers he has he's depowered at Mm -hmm. this point um, and he's literally just taking it all on himself uh, the best he can. And then he gets an Alfred kind of, uh, analog mm-hmm. in a waitress that he hires who is like ex, uh, what country is she from? Uh, Serbia. Serbia? Yeah. She's an ex Serbian, like terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she comes on to help fucking Black Panther. Black Panther. Yeah. He owns... A restaurant yeah, called uh, uh, Hell's Diner, the Devil's, Devil's Kitchen. Di- Devil's Kitchen, Dang, yeah. that's what it is. The Devil's <laughs> Kitchen. Hell's Hell's Diner is like the parody version of <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the Devil's Kitchen. Yeah, but um, we see him go up against characters that I believe David List created for the most part. Mm-hmm. We see a reinvigorated hate monger. Mm-hmm. We see a character named Vlad the Impaler, which is heavily based after the idea of like. If Dracula was a super a soldier, <laughs> yeah, but like he has like the super soldier serum, but like uh-huh. the Romanian version or something like that. So it gives him like electrical powers. Kind yeah, of. I, I, I kind of had to think of his powers as like an electrical version of Gambit's kind of kinetic yeah because it's obviously they kind of talked about how it was like bioelectrical mm-hmm. it's almost, it's almost like a brain impulse versus like actually creating static electricity. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, he has to recharge by like shocking himself with like. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's that's like just a quick way to give him a jolt. Oh, you know true, what I mean? Yeah. And beyond yeah. that, he can just like slowly recharge over time. But of course, um, just like any other superhero in Hell's Kitchen, they eventually have to come up against the Kingpin, mm-hmm. and um, we see that. And I love that this is the era where the Kingpin is the leader of the hand because it's obviously post mm-hmm. Shadowland. And um, am I saying that right? Shadowland? Yeah, Shadowland. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, he has Lady Bullseye with him, which I think Lady Bullseye is a very cool uh, character. I think Lady Bullseye is, um, in my opinion, infinitely uh, more interesting than Bullseye. Bullseye. Am I saying Lady Bullseye? or did Yes, it's Lady Bullseye. Okay, I thought I said Lady Deadpool for a no, second. No, you said Lady Bullseye. Okay. <laughs> you got it um, right. Just because I think everything that you can do with Bullseye has already been done, yeah. and there's not really a lot more you 
could do. Like, he's been an Avenger as Hawkeye, you know what I mean? No, like, I loved that we got to have kind of like a little fun relationship between Lady Bullseye and Typhoid Mary as yeah. like the, you know, the two right-hand bodyguards, to, you know, uh, uh, to Fisk, to Fisk yeah. throughout these kind of issues. And that, made it like, I mean, like, that one of my favorite parts is where, he, you know, he calls that, or he has that bluff where he's like, you know, they're they're waiting, you know, just, yeah. oh, to, for my word, and it shows him eating ice cream and yeah. hanging out together. And yeah. I kind of love that because it shows that, like, even villains are just people most mm-hmm. of the time you know yeah it's the kind of the reason i want to read the fanta or the superior foes of spider-man because it's basically just yeah several issues of you know stuff like that dinguses dingus uh super villains but i, I really say. liked the way i got a lot of the superhero cameos and like i had told you i love that issue with craven the hunter yes. that's like one of my favorites from this entire run i I love craven the hunter as a spider-man villain and i'm super glad that he got to kind of just show up in one of these for yeah. like fun and i i think that i think that issue is a good standalone issue you know what yeah. I mean? you can just read that by itself and have well a good i time. think it's a couple of issues that craven maybe i think two? it's two, it's two but i think those two are probably the biggest highlights of this whole series mm-hmm. um and I wanted to talk about that because I think Craven the Hunter as a as a Black Panther villain fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah. and and they kind of hinted at the fact that um, T'Challa had run into Craven's son yeah. at some point previously, um, and I feel like uh, I, I like. Do you this. know who Craven's son is? It's just another Craven. Raven the Hunter. It's just another Craven. Daven. I'm pretty sure he's currently the the. Oh, the normal Craven the Hunter is oh, okay. his son because uh, I think Nick Craven Spencer. Well, yeah, Nick Spencer put him back in the ground because I think it's kind of a mistake that they ever took him. Took him out, out in of the, the first ground. place. Yeah. Now it's Marvel for you, you know. <laughs> They're like, let's do Craven's last hunt again. Okay. So that means the previous last hunt wasn't the last hunt. <laughs> well, it was that living Craven's yes. last hunt. Now yeah. this is the new Craven. Yeah, exactly. New old Craven. Uh, new old Craven. That's a that's a good band name. That is actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I mean, we get Spider Man, we get Luke Cage, yeah, we yes. get Falcon for a little yeah. while, we get Storm for a couple of issues. Yeah. There's just a lot that goes oh, on in these I'm, eighteen. I know we both wore our, the best we could. <laughs> yeah, we're both wearing Black Panther shirts. You're wearing. Uh, is that like based was, after Civil it War? It was Civil War. Yeah, yeah, it was Civil War merch. And then mine's literally just Aurora and T'Challa. Unmasked. Much cooler. <laughs> it's so weird looking. That's why I got it. It's a great shirt. It needs um, to be the cover for this episode. <laughs> um but yeah this the uh who else shows up in this book oh the american panther oh and the american panther i have to believe that was created for this book obviously it was right? definitely <laughs> created uh for this book it was uh kind of like the reborn hate mongers um like henchman yeah or like his main dude because the hate monger never throws punches he's there to incite violence you know um but he's also that kind of thing you get in Marvel, like the Iron Patriot, and you know that, yes. that, that oh, yeah, kind of definitely. like Americanized when it comes version. to the American Panther, yes, yeah, yeah. A hero, you know, the one that is the 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 right version in their eyes, you yeah. know, of how the hero should be. Um, one thing that bums me out a lot about this run is that it sets up a lot of stuff that obviously doesn't come to fruition yeah which is like the return of vlad the impaler Mm -hmm. and someone else dons the american panther costume at the end of that arc and so it makes you think like well what was that supposed to lead up to you know what i mean and i feel like i feel like it's kind of apparent at the tail end of this book that oh this was kind of how they had to end this to like rush it out the door, like rush the end of They're this. They're wrapping it up. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that 
by the time this book turns into the most dangerous man alive, um, Mark Wade's already started his run on Daredevil. So they're like, oh, well... We can't have both. <laughs> yeah. BP ain't, ain't need to be there if DD's back on the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I feel like that there was a lot of, you know, internal uh, like politics that came into how this series ended. And I mean, honestly, like, I think that this book is a hidden gem mm-hmm. because a lot of people would think of a Black Panther book and they think of like the most recent, like, Tanahasi Coates or Christopher Priest's run previous to this yeah. or or you know what I mean they think King of Wakanda is really what they're gonna yeah. go for and I think that's why this was kind of a great story for David Lister, right? Because it really is like you don't get a lot of let's take that super Avenger and mm-hmm. bring him down to literally Daredevil's level and yeah. show him how difficult just defending the everyday man can be, because that's a lot of what this book is and a lot of T'Challa's issues is he's like, This is so much harder yeah. you know, than being the king of Wakanda, you know, like protecting a whole nation was so much easier than just a single neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with playing catch up from the fact that a demon had just been ruling the, you know, the area. Yeah. Uh, And there's a lot of, uh, you know, fallout from the, you know, Daredevil and everything he'd just gone through in Shadowland. But, and I don't know a lot about what was going on with Black Panther before this comic, but we get hints of it throughout. It had been something about Dr. Doom and destroying all the vibranium because that's why White Wolf shows up too, if you remember. That was the point one issue. Yeah. Oh, so that's what that, that's like the point. That's why that's such a standalone. Yeah. That one was a singular issue. Yeah. It was, it was interesting seeing that even happen. I felt like that was, um, kind of, uh, unnecessary oh yeah like, it's a point holy. one it's a point one issue <laughs> yeah uh, and i mean now obviously the white wolf is something so completely different oh, to yeah. the mcu now right. you know so it's kind of interesting that, to see that character and remember yeah. that that was a thing yeah definitely um let's let's talk about each of the individual arcs um how did you feel about um the multiple dynamics that were immediately launched in this book when it came to the vlad the impaler arc yeah, I mean the Vlad the Impaler arc was actually, I mean, pretty big and pretty, uh, pretty interesting for it was what it chunky. was. There was a yeah. lot of um, story plots happening across the board because, you know, first and foremost we have Vlad and then his son who wants to usurp, kind of, or mm-hmm. or just prove his worthiness. Yeah, he's just trying to prove that he is you know, worthwhile and yeah. not screw up all the time. But not only that, we have a. Uh, a like uh, a family therapist serial killer that goes around killing parents of you know that abuse yeah. their children. Yeah, they're going around killing the abusers. <laughs> She's like CPS and, yeah. and murders the parents. Yeah. Um, and and not only that, she was she had an infatuation for um T'Challa, T'Challa's alter ego, Mister Conquo. Is that how you'd say it? Okay, yeah. I was curious. Conquo, Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I I thought that. I thought immediately this book showed how much it was willing to um, juggle at a time because this this first arc was pretty chunky. I, I would say it was probably four, five, six issues. It was, it was, a, it was probably the the most the biggest arc in this yeah, in this no, run. It was the thickest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the juiciest. And it was it was trying to balance all of these different pro- plot lines at the and, same time. And what I feel like I feel like Vlad the Impaler was kind of like David Liss's own kingpin is really mm-hmm. what he was almost trying to design just in the fact of how like cat and mouse the two of them play with each other. You know, yes. the game of chess that we definitely see them play with each other throughout it's very DD and kingpin, you know, esque. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I just thought it was odd that like it obviously wanted to do so much more with this book and then was immediately told like, oh, you might not be able to juggle all yeah. this. You know what I mean? So how did you feel about setting up all these characters, especially the the two we named, Vlad the Impaler and the CBS uh, serial killer, mm-hmm. and, and not seeing them, e- either of them return throughout the rest of the run? How did you feel about that? I mean, I think you're completely right because even, I mean, we can just keep naming characters like the, the American Panther and continue on. These characters that feel like they were kind of like built up and then now they're just like where did they go what is yeah. gonna happen with these people you know because uh, Vladimir Paler didn't die right he just no he went to prison he just got arrested so so did the uh what was her name I feel bad for not knowing her name I'll look it up but yeah, yeah look this, it up real quick the CPS agent um I know it wasn't anything too complicated <laughs> um but what was I gonna say oh I just feel like you know, Marvel's just got this gigantic jar of extra characters that they could ever just reach into the pile. That's why characters like the White Wolf even show up in the first place, you know? It's yeah. like that they just, they're like, who can we pick out from a Black Panther comic from the past to reuse? So will we ever see Vlad the Impaler again? Probably. Yeah. It'd be cool to see him in like an Iron Fist comic or something. Just some are <laughs> super random where you wouldn't I think, even... I think it would make sense to put him in a secondary um, street-level character's book like yeah. like Iron Fist. Um, her name was Iris. Iris. Yeah. And I don't think she was given a last name. It was mm-hmm. just Iris. It was just Iris. Um, but yeah, Nikolai was the son. Um, and, and Vlad was, I guess, oh man. He, he has was, two sons too. What's the younger? Yeah, no, he had, uh, What's Nikolai the sons? and the younger son was, fuck. Cause obviously they're both relevant to the. Was it Gabe? It was Gabe. Yeah, the game because okay, so oh boy, and then there was Brian, the fucking waiter. See, oh, that's, yeah, there's a there's a lot. There's, there's really so a lot of characters that they they shoved into this that is just like wow, you you really wanted to set up like this big chunky world. Yeah, and I mean, see, like Brian gets so just brushed off where they're like, oh, his powers will probably go away, and then that's just the <laughs> last we hear about Brian. That's the last we hear about him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so let's go ahead and talk about Craven's uh, little mini arc. I love it. Um, so we find out that Nikolai was using this crazy doctor who was another character introduced in the mm-hmm. Vlad the Impaler arc who, like, I guess operated out of the basement of one of the biggest, like, hospitals in New York. Yeah. And she was, like, she was real into manipulation of biogenics yeah. i guess and so she created uh like piranha kids and like yeah alligator. like combining human and animal dna is exactly. like a big thing and so she she had met craven the hunter previously when she worked in i guess africa or yeah. something and she that felt very like weapon x to me i'm not gonna lie yeah, when it like no, yeah, showed like sure. the facility she was at with craven the hunter i was like this is all like just seems very yeah, like weapon x-esque you know <laughs> i feel like that would be a good plot point to pick up in like a Luke Cage or Iron Fist book is just the fact that oh any supervillain can use this secret laboratory underneath the so fucking true. hospital at any time you know um but she calls in a favor from Craven to like help her find the escaped mm-hmm. uh what was he a cook well, he was a busboy a busboy yeah. at at Mr. Conquo's uh restaurant Brian I it, thought it was pretty random that Nikolai chose to even just use Brian as like that that weapon, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, that's kind of weird. There was no real even reason, because it's not like he knew the Panther's identity. No, you know yeah, I mean? he definitely didn't. 
So he kind of didn't really make. I don't know. It was an interesting. It was just an interesting reason for him to just pick that rant. He's like, let's just use this the random, random kid. Yeah, random yeah. kid that we got who just um, about died. But uh, yeah, no, it's. It, I I liked the Craven arc. I just feel like you definitely have to read the Vlad the Impaler shit right beforehand. That's my personal. Yeah, I mean, opinion. you would be a little confused on what the hell's going on for yeah. sure. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then we move on to after that it's the American Panther stuff, mm-hmm. which takes place during Fear itself, which they only really show and well, talk a, about for like a panel or two. Yeah. Well what I really like about the Craven arc, just to not jump oh, away yeah. from it too quickly, is how it really ends, which is that, you know, he the whole arc is just him chasing Black Panther around and hunting mm-hmm. him and you know, it's like the you know, them playing cat and mouse. Um, but it ends with them having this big conflict in front of the doctor, but Black Panther convincing, uh-huh. um, you know, making Craven realize that that doctor's not, you know, good. And so yeah. Craven literally, it makes me love Craven because it shows that Craven isn't like a villain, villain, you know, yeah. like he is like a, a conflicted villain. And at the end of the day, he's one of those that was kind of created to be like, we need an animal activist villain, you know? And so he's always got that side of him that does mean well. And so that final shot of that comic book is my favorite of just him releasing all of her, you know, like mutant, uh, you know, children out into the wild, you know, yeah. to be taken care of for the rest of the time. So I think that's why that kind of sticks out to me is so great because it shows that like, it's the one villain in this whole story that actually shows like a good side. I feel like because yeah, Vlad yeah. just consistently is evil, you know, yeah. more and more throughout Craven, the story. Craven literally has an arc in his like two issues. He yeah. he goes from like oh I will do this to oh I have a better means to an end. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree completely. Craven is well used in this story, absolutely very well. Like to the point where this is that's the highlight. I feel like to this whole. Um, series. Yeah, for a normal member of the Sinister Six, yeah, it's a it's a very uh, humanized moment for him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we go on to the American Panther stuff, which is a kind of tie-in to Fear itself. Yeah. You see a scene where, uh, remind th- me what's even going on in Fear itself. Do you recall? That's where Boar, I think, is that his name? It's Odin's brother. Okay. The serpent. Yeah. He comes out of wherever the fuck he came from and he drops all these mystical hammers across the world okay that's and, what i was remembering it to be like yeah and they all become like possessed i think juggernaut gets one the thing gets one it absorbing, turns him into like evil kind of yeah absorbing incarnates. Him, i think gets one um but the thing he looks crazy because he's like this black molten version of himself and he has this like tongue wrapped around his chest or something Jeez, I, it's it's crazy but he you we see that for a panel in this um tie-in and that's about it because i guess how david litz uh took the idea of fear itself was well we can incite fear within um i guess like xenophobic kind of views and so they he reinvigorates the hate monger it's not explicitly explained but i guess it's the spirit of the the hate monger yeah kind of comes back and and takes over um, but I thought, I thought visually, I thought it was very cool. Um, I thought the American Panther was pretty, pretty cool. cool looking. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's taken care of as easily as, as, uh, it's set up, which yeah. is just, oh, you know, he's brainwashing these people, make him stop brainwashing it. Story's over basically. Um, but at the end of that, we see someone putting on the hate monger or no, the American the Panther Mar- suit. Yeah. 
And he says something about like, it's about time I return implying that it is a character that has we've seen before previously yeah. existed. And so I wanted to ask you if you had to write the sequel to the, who American, would I put in that suit? Who would you put in the suit? I feel like it would have to be like a, like a street level villain of like Spider-Man's or something to kind of make sense that they would even have been there in that uh-huh. moment. You know what I mean? But I don't know, like it, <laughs> it would, I would have to know who would be uh, who would have been off the scene in these yeah, moments who, too. You know, there's like a little bit in the know to have gotten, but I I I like the idea of it being Nuke. Oh yeah, so just to tie it back into like that makes so much sense. An too. extremely prevalent like Daredevil story. Yeah. Why not put a very Americanized human in? Or well, I, he's not totally human, but mm-hmm. you know this Americanized character in the. American Panther suit and yeah. then have it like full circle like oh you know it's Daredevil going up against his version of Black Panther's villains you know what I mean or and it could be a big I, re- said, I mean it could be a big reveal you know what yeah. I mean he's going up against the American Panther and when the mask is finally pulled it's literally nuke underneath and it's, yeah. like, it's just been a Daredevil villain all along <laughs> yeah I said that backwards by the way I meant Black Panther's version of a Daredevil character yeah but yeah I understood um yeah, so I I thought that that was a, a a neat idea. That is definitely, and it's a and it makes so much sense because like the zealot, you know, yeah. just can be you know, so it would uh, it fit the role, you know, that he'd take on that mantle. Um, let's uh, take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll we'll finish up uh, BP BP. So after the American Panther uh, shiz, yeah. we go on to um, we go to the whole uh, well, Kingpin arc. You know? Well, and, and then we have the White Wolf thing. Well, the baby White Wolf thing. We um, can just skip over that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know that much about White Wolf. I mean, it it does a pretty good job explaining this specific White Wolf, but I th- yeah. think that there's like a tactical like agency called the White Wolves oh, really? from Wakanda. I think that they talk about that a little bit in this issue. Got you. And so I think the idea that... Um, I mean, we we know... He, it basically just hints that he was like an adopted... Yes. You know, older yeah. brother of T'Chaka, you know what I mean? Or yeah. from, uh, you know, T'Challa from T'Chaka. Yes, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I would like to see more of that relationship. I'm not sure... Oh, yeah? I'm not sure where exactly we would read that except for like, I guess the original like Don, uh, whatever his name is, the guy that like wrote most of Black Panther's lore. What is yeah. his name? I feel like if I was going to read those two characters together, I would want to read them at like 18 years old or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. right as T'Challa is like version. trying to become the Panther, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, before he's actually been given the power of the Panther, and it's like those conflicts between them when they're in their youth. I think that would be a cool arc, but I feel like literally, uh, the White Wolf kind of says it everything after Black Panther getting the you know, the power of the uh-huh. Panther, it's just pretty much an ass kicking from one side. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, Don McGregor, that was the, the writer that oh, I was okay. trying to come up with. Um, but after that issue, it's the point one issue is, um, it transfers into most dangerous man alive. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much all the way down. The last, what, like six issues are Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, we and, skipped Spider Island too. But. Oh well, no. The first issue of it is Spider, it is Spider Island. Island. Yeah, That's it, right. it is marred in the Spider Island, and we get the uh, yeah. what is his name? Overdrive. Yeah, he's uh, he's like our narrator throughout the whole yeah. kind of thing. That's kind of a cool issue. Yeah, I Ex- thought so too. Except for the fact that it's you know Spider Island. If you had taken off a couple of those arms from T'Challa, because he, he we see him with six arms. Yeah. That's his mutation. Um, and then Lady Bullseye has the, the eyes. Yeah, the spider eyes. Um, if we were without those um, elements, yeah, elements, I feel like it would be a much better issue. But since we already were, we're very familiar with the. You know, I feel like it was a fun issue for David List to probably write. You know what I mean? Where he was just like, true. I have to do Spider Island because all of Manhattan is in Spider Island. Because this is definitely in the point where Marvel was like, everything has to be correlating so you had to read like yeah. 30 i mean it had that spider island checklist it, that yeah. checklist and i remember getting stressed out by that checklist when spider island was happening <laughs> you know what i mean like being like yeah. i can't read all this yeah. you know like and uh, i remember thinking like oh black panther man without fear i, I don't need to read that yeah. one for spider island exactly and, you know sure enough like it's probably one of the better ones <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah no i liked the whole the whole um what is his name? Is his name Overdrive? Yeah, Overdrive. No, okay. you're right. It is Overdrive. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's. I, I like him as a character. I think David List writes him pretty well. There's a couple of scenes previous to this where David List is writing how Gabe would talk, mm-hmm. and it's a little corny. It's a little hacky where he's like, yo, that's whack, man. Or, you know, he says some yeah. dumb shit like that because he's a kid. But um, I like the way he writes Overdrive. Overdrive is like a cocky yeah. idiot, and he writes him well. Um, very you know, Deadpool-y kind of in a way. Yeah, kind of. goofy, cocky. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for the most part, David Liss writes a lot of these characters very well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that was truly T'Challa in his words. Absolutely. Um, I think that was definitely Kingpin. He writes a very good Kingpin. Very convincing. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was fine. I think Spider-Man was a little hokey. Mm-hmm. I think that he had to lean into the jokiness of Spider-Man a little I bit more. I completely agree but with that. But whenever Spider-Man was like seriously trying to make points to T'Challa, I felt like it was very honest to Peter. And same thing, I felt like Luke Cage was very like bro He was just like, yo, man, come on, what are you doing? You know, and it's like, I kind of like... Especially when he first appeared, yeah. I felt like, yeah. And but... I was like, he's an Avenger at this point. Yeah. He would be like a little bit more like, you know, I don't Grounded, know. Grounded, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, he, whenever Luke Cage does come around for this arc, the, the final mm-hmm. Kingpin stuff, he, I feel like he's way better written. Yeah, absolutely. And Falcon, I feel like you can, Falcon, Wait, you don't get a lot of Falcon. It's like, he shows up, yeah. but then he's like, not a, that, he, he doesn't talk that much. Or he says a couple much. of things yeah. and it's, it's basically just reiterating what T'Challa has already said. You know, he'll, he'll be like, T'Challa, go do the thing. And it's like, yeah, I said that I was going to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, like, stop bossing me around Avengers. <laughs> yeah. I love that one moment where he's like, you know, I was an Avenger when Luke Cage and Spider-Man were street heroes. And now that I'm a street hero, they're the ones watching over worried that I can't handle this. And they're also both Avengers at this time. Yeah, it's just funny. Um, I love that about this book, that it was such a flip-flop. And it it shows like a side of T'Challa you probably never really get to see anywhere else, which exactly is this, you know, just the man behind the Panther, you know? How do you feel about... Once it be once this book be, goes from a uh, man without fear to most dangerous man alive, 
How do you feel about the whole sudden shift of like, oh, there's no more Mr. Conquo. There's no more really Devil's Kitchen at all anymore. Sophia is never a waitress mm-hmm. again. She's strictly this like now she's like wielding the a, oracle, essentially. Yeah. and she's wielding guns. Yeah, yeah that she kinda... has like a fucking sniper rifle. Yeah, and shit. I don't know. She looks like an agent of Shield or something. Even yeah. in the way she's dressed, I yeah. baby got confused for a second who she was simply because she had gone through such a wardrobe change. Yeah. You know. Um, Oming definitely drew her in like a more like secret agent style. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was to go more along the lines of like, well, we're going to see them as a full team, her Falcon, Luke Cage and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So I guess she has to look more the super part. heroic. Um, how did you feel about all of that? Like the sudden shift of like, oh, well, we don't need any of those aspects anymore because the story we're trying to tell is is it almost feels like it was written by two different people a little bit you know what i mean it's a surprise but it makes me wonder how much yeah david liss exactly kind of had marvel breathing down his neck and being like hey you need to clean this up you need to figure it out like you don't have time for all of these like down-to-earth stories anymore this needs to be a marvel story you know like this needs to be big again and we and we want kingpin yeah (laughs) no yeah definitely i feel like it it definitely had a lot of that to do with it i feel like David Liss is probably one of those writers that writes well for his artists. Yeah. Because if you notice, the artists or the the issues drawn by specific artists feel like their issues yeah. more than David Liss's whole kind of vision. I could agree with that totally. Um, you know, it jumps from. Uh, well, one thing I noticed about Frank Avia is how much he loved those full yes. page, yeah, pan- like you know the vertical panels. You know, yeah. you'd get it so much, you know, throughout the comics, and, and yeah, it's just these long ass. And he did Spider Island too, right? Because that was the one thing I thought was funny was that they did all the panel blocks as it was like spider webbing. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I think Spider. Yeah, no, he did the Spider did Island spider. issue. Yeah, yeah, I think that was like one of the last issues he drew. And then yes, um, that was the last issue, and then he went strictly to covers. The after covers that. after that, yeah, yeah. I feel like he's a very good poster artist. He he'll give you the great shots that you need to explain the whole issue or the whole page. Um, yeah, it's like the Man Without Fear covers are like all right. I mean, they're like kind of yeah. old school, but I love the the yeah, yeah most Francisco, dangerous man alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, those issue covers are dope. Those are posters, straight up. They're yeah, like posters absolutely. of like old it's- like. Yeah, movies. it's like old detective posters or something. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Or like paperback novels or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, Noir. The I think my favorite artist though throughout the the run is Hefte Palo. He did the very scratchy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. His stuff, like his issues in the first arc, were very dark and gritty. I love Francovia a lot, um, but I feel like it, it was kind of marred with the thick lines a little bit it was a little hard to understand all the time yeah absolutely um or most of the, not not all the time but like some of the there, time no there's definitely panels that you're kind of like what is what's happening right there yeah <laughs> um but hefte Balo, he i loved his uh his scratchiness um and then martinborough sean yeah. martinborough his i feel like his art went well with whoever had preceded him previously because he did art after hefte palo yeah and it felt like hefte's and then he did art after oming and then it felt like oming's, oming's art. art yeah, yeah. that's what i kind of meant was like i felt like the artist kind of tried to stay true to the person before them exactly yes. and, yeah and i, I guess think it's martin burrow that really is the one who did that yes. where he was like I, okay now i have to draw like they were drawing it before exactly. yeah. yeah no definitely and, and I, I like a consistency like that i appreciate I, the effort in him 
not just sticking to whatever art style he preferred and actually trying to like make a consistent comic in spite of it having two different artists. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. He, he did a great job emulating both artists. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with the colorist, but it, how did you feel about the overall, um, I guess, ending of this series? Do you feel like you felt like it was a good enough ending or do you think that there should have been more? Do you feel like you wanted more? I mean, I feel like it, there could have been more and I feel like it, maybe Baby was a bit rushed, you know what I mean? Yeah. That they really just like, especially the Deadliest Man Alive, I could have gone with a few more issues of, I could have done like maybe like two or three less issues of Vlad the Impaler and done like two or three more more True. issues of Kingpin. You I know? agree with that. And that yeah. relationship, because I think that was something that could have really been Mm-hmm. interesting like to see them play a little bit more cat and mouse with each other because it's kingpin's just that character that you know has that level of manipulation you know yeah. so you just already have that respect to be like oh he's gonna have all the moves you know i think i think it, i could speak for both of us when i say this that it feels like david Liss writes better in universe rather than like trying to build his universe out of the universe yeah. you know what i mean so like yeah his his stuff with kingpin was very um appealing Mm -hmm. i feel like the ending could have used a couple more issues i feel like there were a lot of especially in the oming issues where it was a lot condensed in one single issue yeah that is like oh we could have spread this out a little bit better you know um so but i feel like i mean it makes sense where it ends because that it would just kind of come to a point where you know like i mean t'challa has figured out what he needs to and daredevil has to come back you know what i mean yeah. so there has to be that finality to it and he kind of said it before mark wade was kind of already starting his deadpool yeah. run so it's like why uh... we keep doing that i think i said deadpool earlier too oh daredevil. okay god damn it <laughs> i think that's the first time i did it oh, okay he started his da- daredevil yeah. run um and so it's kind of like we don't need two men without fear running yeah. around you know so um that that's something I would have liked to see out of Mark Wade's run is just incorporate Black Panther for a uh, issue. You know I'd what be, I mean? Honestly, I'd love to see those two run around together. You know what I mean? I agree. Have Ladley and Paler come back in a Daredevil comic and him need Black Panther's help yeah. to stop him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be very cool. Um, now let's talk about how, how, if at all, could this ever be um, adapted? Do you feel like this could ever be a season of daredevil or do you think that this could ever be uh mcu black panther or do you think this this could maybe work as like an animated movie like how dc does oh, it? this could definitely work as a gritty animated movie unfortunately uh, with the mcu obviously the black panther is kind of up in the air right now yeah um and i guess it looks like sure will end up taking the you think so the, the, i have a i have a hot take on that what's that i think that they're going to somehow bring Killmonger back and he'll be Black Panther. Really? I that You think people love Michael B Jordan that much? I I do. Okay. <laughs> I I I don't know how they could possibly do it. That's one mystery for the MCU that I'm befuddled about is how the fuck are they going to continue Black Panther now I with... think I mean I think it works out perfectly for them to have like the the female Black Panther and I, I mean I don't think it's going to work with Shuri for some reason. I just don't see it happening. I, I mean, this comic Shuri, book showed it worked. Yeah, I mean, but that Shuri is like very much a grown person at I this guess point so in, the, in the in the comic books. I mean, granted, they've kind of reducted that a little bit in more recent books. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just I feel like um, I feel like uh, what what is the Michael Coogler? What is his name? It's not Michael. Um, well, the director Coogler. What is his name? Uh, Panther. Yes. 
It is Coogler. Let me look it up. Um, for some reason, my brain was say Daniel. Ryan Coogler. Okay, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, but I feel like Ryan Coogler has more to say with Black Panther as, um, like a as man. a man, as as sexist as that can sound. No, I mean I understand that. Um, so I mean, yeah, I don't know as far as the MCU goes where Black Panther will land, you know. So, yeah. um, but I think yeah, like just a super gritty, you know, like kind of uh, almost like a little not gory, but like a little bloodier kind mm. of. Uh, a leaning invincible esque kind of uh, animated series would be dope for this. You know what I mean? What they could do in the MCU is is give us two Black Panthers. They yeah. could have Shuri be the queen of Wakanda, and then have uh, Killmonger be the Black Panther of yeah, you know, the deadliest man alive <laughs> in New York City. And so they could give us this kind of this. And kind see, of that idea. would actually be kind of cool if yeah. he was just like he left Wakanda. You know, he's in rebirth somehow. Has left Wakanda. You know, yeah, with maybe like a little bit of power of the Panther or something, so that yeah. it makes an excuse on why he's doing it. You know, but um, recently we've both both been playing uh, the Avengers game a little bit. I need I wanna, to play more of it. I really do. I want to talk about it just a little bit because I think the next DLC is going to be Black Panther. Mm-hmm. That is the plan, um, I believe. Um, I think for a while it was supposed to be Spider-Man, but they, I think they put that on the back burner. Back burner. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the game so far? I, we've barely touched it. I yeah. Think. I was going to say, unfortunately I haven't played too much of it. Um, I like, I, I kind of mentioned and besides like clunky camera mechanics, I think the game kind of got a hard, I mean, I don't know how bad it was at the beginning. I'm just now playing it now, yeah. you know, but I feel like it got a hard rep, you know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm I, enjoying it for the most I, part. I don't know if they changed how it operates previously, but um, I, I'm enjoying the, the mechanics for the most part. Did you play the first whole kind of mission where you yes. just transition between all of the, and you fight up to Taskmaster? You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Okay, so see, that's I'm, pretty much where I stopped. I, oh, play, I okay. fought Taskmaster, and then I was like, all right, but it does. I really haven't played a whole lot of it. I've, I've played up until the point where it takes place like years later, and Kamala is trying to find the event. Okay, yeah, see, I haven't even gotten there. It, uh, um, yeah. But... I think the Hulk is my least favorite character to play as. Have just you, picking up people and just hitting them. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, have you played as the Hawkeyes? Uh-uh. I haven't yeah, played I mean, as either Hawkeye yet. And that's actually the, what made me want to pick up the game is I was kind of excited for the Hawkeye DLC. That was yeah. something I was There's like... There's two of them? I know. I thought that was so weird. I was like, why do we need two Hawkeyes? Because there is two Hawkeyes. I mean, yeah. The same reason we want two Black Panthers. You know, I actually okay. don't mind the having two people pick up the same mantle when I it mean, can be when they can be their own identity. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's just it. Like, Kate Bishop is Hawkeye, but she's herself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would never see those two as like being... I feel like... They are redundant, but they're not redundant. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I don't see those two characters as being redundancies of each other. I see them I very much completely. as their own, you know, selves. I mean, it's just like that. It's like how Robin isn't a redundance of Batman. You know what I mean? Even though he's, they're basically the same thing. You know, yeah. Um, or like Nightwing and Batman. Yeah, or yeah. Nightwing and Batman. You know, um, so I don't know. I just like. I love it. I like. I just having two like, Spider Man. I like having. I think my. I think my immediate confusion by it is that like oh well why not if you're going to put clint in it why not after you put in another character it's just like two hawkeyes yeah. back to back you yeah know no I mean? that is that is a good argument on a game that only has like seven adventures in it <laughs> yeah. why i make two of them hawkeye he's um, not that great of a character have you seen the the leaked like data mine of, and there's like, technically three hawkeyes in that game not to spoil but Oh, there is? Well, yeah, because I think, yeah, you get to see a, an alternate universe of Hawkeye, oh, too. You know what I mean? yeah. I mean, yeah, there's different costumes where you'll see, like, old man Hawkeye yeah, and shit right. like that. But, in, like, in the storyline itself, I think he's, you know, there are different characters. Um, did you see the leaked list of, like, the datamined 
characters? No. No? Let me see if I can find it. Of that game? Yes, of this game. Some uh, some people, I guess, data mined it, and they saw placements for these characters. Um, obviously, Spider-Man. We have the two Hawkeyes. But then it goes on to list Ant-Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Falcon, Marvel, Mockingbird, Quake, Scarlet Witch, She-Hulk, Vision, War Machine, Wasp, and Winter Soldier. Okay, those are all names that I would have kind of expected. Yeah. Um, What I'm worried about is that the game won't do it. I feel like because of their bad reception and because it's not, I guess, selling That's like an ambitious list, yeah. I feel like it's a very ambitious list. Um, But yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty much all I had to say about <laughs> Avengers. I I am enjoying it more than I ever thought I was. Right. Yeah. So we'll see where we go once we actually play more of the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Is there anything we want to say more about uh, Black Panther, Man Without Fear, and uh, Most Dangerous Man Alive? The I really liked this book because once again, it's an Avenger. It's a good story on taking like like a super almost like a superman level character someone who's just basically got more power than they can even yeah. you know, handle and taking it all away from them and showing that they still have that superhero side to them you know what I yeah mean? and so that's why i think this is like a great full why it's worth reading the full 18 arcs you know what i mean or 18 uh, issues or 18 issues yeah. yeah my bad um <laughs> so that's my hot take on black panther man. <laughs> read it um i think it's, it's i think it's a good book um uh, I thought for some reason there was going to be, I thought he was going to use magic somewhere in this it series. It kind of, he kept kind of hinting like I need to be more myself, but I guess that just really meant like. Not using the gadgets, not using the magic. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, well, he kept saying like, I need to not try to do this like Daredevil. I need to do this more like myself. And I felt like that guess meant more like using gadgets and you yeah. know, using magic and not just trying to be like brute, a brute force, you know? I think he kind of learned a lesson from craven at some point because craven was like i'm a hunter i'm going to use all of my tools and then eventually black panther allows luke cage to help him alongside you know falcon and everybody else and so yeah because at first he was very hesitant like no i need to do this myself you need to leave me alone one of the things i love that frank avia did whenever he was drawing panthers anytime he was kind of like pouting or he's kind of pissed off his ears like (laughs) slouched like like a cat you know what i mean just like and I was like, that's such that's, a good... I loved uh, Apollo's interpretation because he's a big-ass man and then his ears kind of are always off yeah. to the side like that. Um, I really like how he was drawn in a lot of these comics. in like a Almost in like a just, you know, he's just in like body armor. You know? yeah. <laughs> he's just in like football gear, he basically. Looks, he looks much better in the uh, interior of the book than he does on the first half of the covers. Absolutely. Because the, the, those covers at the first half of the series it's is like old school Panther. Yeah, the gold claws and like the gold like uh, ex- accents. But in, in reality, he's very uh, toned down. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Black Panther, Man Without Fear, and Most Dangerous Man Alive. Next week, we're going to be talking about Marvel 2 and 1 by Chip Zdarsky. Um, and Do a little Darsky. Yeah, and then after that, we'll be the next week. We'll be talking about. I ooh, think we decided. I think we did. It's Invincible. I think oh, we're we were doing the do first thirteen issues of Invincible, okay. and we might talk about the show a little bit too. Okay. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, come back next week. We love you guys. Thank you uh, for being here. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, we will. Uh, we'll see you then, or we will see you on another time. That's right. All right. Bye. Bye.